Welcome to African American Conservatives, the soul of the conservative movement, your source for news and commentary from a cultural and right of center perspective. African American Conservatives. Welcome to African American Conservatives, the soul of the conservative movement. I'm your host, Marie Strotter, reminding you to please go to acons.substack.com. There you will find all of the links to our social media platforms, our commentary, our blog, and also all of our podcasts and live streams. And uh, today is our podcast day, and we have with us Lieutenant Colonel Alan West. Lieutenant Colonel Allen B. West is a combat veteran of the United States Army, where he served in uniform for 22 years. And he was a member of the 112th Congress, serving as a representative for Florida. Further, he served as chairman of the Republican Party of Texas, and he's currently the executive director of the American Constitutional Rights Union. He's the author of three books and host of the Steadfast and Loyal podcast. Welcome back to the show. Good to be with you, Marie. Thanks for having me. We have so much to discuss today. Mm. There's so much going on in the world. And uh, you wrote an excellent piece on Substack this week about Palestine and the history of uh, the conflict in that region and how Palestine, the term Palestine came to be. So mm -hmm. I would encourage if our listeners haven't seen your Substack, that they run right over to alanwest.substack.com and read that. But I do want to get your uh, take on a few things that are happening, having served in uniform in that region of the world. Uh, recently, obviously, everyone knows that the world was shaken by a massive Hamas terror attack on Israel, which resulted in the murders or kidnappings of nearly a thousand civilians, most of whom were Israelis. We've heard reports and seen images of imagine, unimaginable cruelty inflicted upon those uh, victimized by Hamas, including women dragged off uh, through the streets, toddlers thrown in cages, and handcuffed children, children killed in front of their parents. I mean, as a parent and you as a grandparent, a parent, yeah. I can't even imagine. Uh, having deployed to the Middle East, speak to us about how coordinated and well executed this attack was and how off guard Israel seemed to be by it. Well, I'll to unpack the first part. It was incredibly well coordinated and executed. And it was, we now know, uh, multiple sources have reported that Iran met with Hamas, Hezbollah uh, leadership in Lebanon to lay this thing out. But it is not just what you saw happen on the ground. It is also the use of cyber warfare uh, against certain intelligence systems and uh, such uh, certain ground uh, surveillance systems, and also against some of the uh, media outlets there, like the Jerusalem Post, they are purposely targeting it. So this was not something that someone just said, you know, uh, you know, in the middle of the day, hey, let's just uh, go over and, and see how many people we can kill in Israel. Uh, and when you look at all of the multifaceted aspects of it, I mean, paragliding in uh, to that uh, music festival uh, and killing young people there, raping women there, going in and specifically targeting certain kibbutzes and also areas that are along that 
Gaza-Israel uh, fence line. Uh, and so I think that the first thing that people have to ask themselves, you know, what happened as far as the intelligence gathering? What happened as far as, you know, having boots on the ground, forces on the ground that would preclude uh, anyone from being able to conduct such an infiltration? Uh, and I think one of the things that you see Israel already trying to correct is, uh, you know, uh, you know, easing back on some of the restrictions of Israeli citizens, civilians, to be able to uh, have carry permits for their own weapons. I mean, that's why we have a Second Amendment here yes. in the United States of America, and I think Israel is starting to uh, understand why. But without a doubt, this was a, a heinous, barbaric, and savage attack. And, you know, what I see happening here in the United States of America should cause us much concern, and that we have people taken to the streets who are basically saying that uh, we support a terrorist organization that is responsible for the deaths of some 1,200 innocent civilians, the beheading of babies in the crib, the uh, snatching up of uh, innocent civilians, older, you know, elderly people, men, women, children, as you just articulated, in cages uh, into uh, into Gaza. Some 150 to 170 is believed. But you're talking about 14 Americans that were killed. You're talking about somewhere between 20 and 25 Americans that are not accounted for. And yet we have organizations, we have student organizations such as in Harvard or, you know, this Marxist delusional organization, Black Lives Matter. But most importantly, Marie, you know, what happened in Israel was a surprise attack. What we are doing in the United States of America with our open border, and you and I live here in Texas, we are intentionally and purposefully setting up the United States of America for the exact same thing to happen. And oh, by the way, uh, I just read a news report. The leader of Hamas is asking for Muslims worldwide uh, to, to have a day of vengeance on the 13th of this month. So they're asking for terrorist attacks to be conducted all across the world now. I saw that. That is absolutely amazing. Just shocking. What do you think is the objective of this attack? Well, the objective of the attack is the objective of Hamas. I mean, you read in their charter, they exist to eradicate, eliminate, exterminate, and erase the Jews uh, and, and the nation of Israel, a nation of Israel which has a 5,775-year history. There's never been a nation called Palestine. Uh, and that's something that I bring out in the piece that I wrote, uh, what is Pal Palestine? There's never been a, a an indigenous people called Palestinians. As a matter of fact, if you study your history, that uh, region is also called the Levant, which is uh, something that ISIS used, uh, Islamic State in the Levant. So we don't have La Levantinians or, or anything like that. And so it would be just the same as we took a, a region in America called Appalachia. And all of a sudden, we start to say Appalachia should exist as its own entity and, you know, people there, Appalachians or whatever. But there is no, you know, separate culture. There's no separate language. There's no currency or anything, no history of, quote unquote, people called Palestinians. I mean, as a matter of fact, after World War II, I mean, World War I, when the British had uh, the protectorate of that region after defeating the Ottoman Turkish Empire, Everyone that resided in that region had a passport that said Palestine. Uh, Jew, Arab, didn't matter. So, you know, when Yasser Arafat all of a sudden co-ops this term and tries to, you know, bring in this, this sense of Arab nationalism, which is really what it's about, 
uh, and using terrorism. I mean, let's not forget the 1972 Munich Olympics and the massacre that was done there by the Palestinian mm -hmm. Libya Liberation Organization, mm -hmm. which becomes the Palestinian Authority, which, oh, by the way, they're supporting Islamic Jihad, Hamas, and, and Hezbollah and what uh, what is going on. So I think we need to understand that this is all about killing and destroying Jews. What type of depraved mind could look at an, an infant in a crib and behead that child? Yeah, I, I, You can't live with that type of evil. There's only one thing you can do, and that's kill it. Now, you tweeted, quote, my recommendation to Prime Minister Netanyahu and the Israelis is to disregard what the global anti-Semitic progressives think and respond to uh, uh, what the anti-Semitic uh, progressives think and respond harshly to the terror attack. Should Israel seek to merely punish Hamas for its terrorism uh, as it's done in the past, or should it seek to destroy Hamas regardless of the consequences such an effort would have on the Palestinians or the global anti-Semitic progressives uh, opinion to which you referred? I don't think you should care about their opinion. Uh, I think you have to be concerned about protecting your, your citizenry. And again, you have an organization that uh, their charter is your extermination. Uh, so, yes, you have to destroy Hamas. Uh, I think the most important thing that they need to do now, uh, of course, trying to see, ascertain uh, if they can get in and rescue those hostages. They're dispersed all over the place, but I'm sure they're trying to gather intelligence. But you got to cordon off the Gaza Strip. You have to isolate the Gaza Strip. And you got to send a message to Hezbollah. You got to send a message to Iran that uh, we will extend our vengeance against you as well if you try to uh, to, to assist or, or come in. Uh, Hezbollah has already done it now with these paragliders coming in from the north. But I think that you should say to the people in, the, in Gaza that if you do not want to live under the rule of Hamas, leave. Uh, and and there should be some type of corridor that uh, they could a very narrow corridor that they can leave prioritize women and children, but anyone else that remains, you're a supporter of Hamas, and therefore if you're a supporter of Hamas, you're supporting the extermination and extinction of our nation state, our sovereign nation state, and our people, and we're not going to tolerate it. So I think that you have to eradicate, uh, eliminate, and destroy Hamas. And send a message to all the Islamic terrorist organizations, just the same as we did when we went after ISIS and we went after the leader of ISIS uh, and we went after General uh, Soleimani, who was the leader of another designated terrorist organization, the Iranian Republic uh, Revolutionary Guards Corps, which, uh, of course, is working with and coordinating with uh, Hezbollah. So that they only understand strength and might in that part of the world. Now, uh, all of these people that are going out and saying that the you know Hamas they they've been victimized and everything I don't care you know and and we're gonna have to get to the point in America where if you're gonna start going out like Rashida Tlaib and you're gonna be waving the flag of a terrorist organization which is really what that flag represents uh, maybe you should not be here in the United States of America uh, we should look at these students at Harvard and say uh, maybe we should come in and knock on your door. And not the door of pro-life activists and not the you know designating parents going to school board meetings as domestic terrorists or putting moms for liberty on a mm -hmm. on a watch list. I mean, we have people that are saying they support the killing of Americans, the beheading Shocking. of babies, and, and they should not be uh here in the United States. You're aiding and abetting terrorism. Shocking. Absolutely.
uh, mind blowing. Now, among the uh, 1,200 or so uh, either murdered or taken hostage are a number of Americans, as we've alluded mm -hmm. to. Hamas is threatening to kill these American hostages on live television. Yeah. If you were the commander in chief, and let me tell you, I'd sleep a lot easier. What would the situation room look like right now? And what sort of response would you be crafting? Well, the response, again, is to support Israel in cordoning off the Gaza Strip, uh, providing our special operations forces and our intelligence gathering capabilities to try to locate uh, these hostages as best as we possibly can. But the message we send to Hamas is very simple. If you follow up with murdering these hostages and you take the approach that ISIS did of broadcasting it and recording it, it's over, you know we're going to kill every last one of you and we're going to reduce Gaza into rubble. That, that is the result of the actions that you take. And oh, by the way, anyone that wants to stand in the way of that, we will turn that, uh, that type of action against you as well. Meaning uh, in Lebanon, meaning uh, Iran, anyone, uh, meaning the Palestinian authority. So that's the level of resolve that we have to have. You know, when President Trump said that he was going to move the uh, American embassy out of Tel Aviv up to Jerusalem, uh, all of these groups were talking about blood in the streets and how dare you do it. We will exact revenge against you. What ended up happening? Nothing. Because uh, they understand commitment. They understand strength. They understand resolve. And I would send a message to Cutter and everyone else that uh, you'll be next too if you, you uh, support this. So Qatar, uh, the best thing that you can do is uh, tell Hamas to release those hostages. Uh, you release those hostages, maybe we will you know, ease back on the, uh, the response that we will be giving. But understand, the destruction of, of Hamas is still going to be our, our end goal. But maybe we will allow Gaza to exist in some way, shape, form, or fashion. But if you mur execute and murder those hostages, there's there's nothing else that we're going to be talking about. You're going to be on the receiving end of the entire offensive might and power, military power and economic power of the United States of America. The response from Mr. Biden has been tepid at best and too little too late. I mean, it just seems like there oh, yeah. were several days before he said anything, but he did tweet after the attack. Quote, my administration's support for Israel's security is rock solid and unwavering, end quote. In your expert opinion, has Mr. Biden's support for Israel been rock solid thus far? And are you optimistic that he will be rock solid going forward, given his history of what some call anti-Israeli acts, such as his refusal to meet with Prime Minister Netanyahu at the White House? Yeah, I mean, Joe Biden is culpable and he has been an enabler to what Iran just did. Uh, first and foremost, uh, he tried to go back into the Iranian nuclear agreement. Uh, the next thing is he has been not uh, enforcing the sanctions against Iran. So they have benefited by 150 to 160 billion dollars of oil revenue they've been selling out there which they're the number one sponsor of Islamic terrorism that goes right into their coffers. On 9-11, uh, just last month, he released $6 billion to the Iranians. Sure, sitting in a bank there in Qatar, but why didn't we refreeze that account right now? Uh, when this uh, incident happened on Saturday, it was like eight or nine hours later when uh, he decided, I guess, to wake up. 
On Sunday, he had a barbecue at the White House for his employees there. And on Monday, he said, uh, no, no public appearances. I'm not going to be uh, uh, releasing any type of comments uh, by noon. He had just called it in by noon. And when you look at the the speech that he gave uh, earlier this week, Okay, you got Joe Biden squinting and all of this stuff, but he's not the symbol of strength. He's not a symbol of power. He's not a symbol of resolve or might. Everyone knows that he is very weak and his actions have caused not just what we saw happen in Israel, but what we have seen with the incursion into Ukraine, the uh, belligerence and the obtuse nature of China, uh, North Korea's uh, obtuse nature and their belligerence. Uh, that weakness is being shown. And who was he, uh, did he have backing him up there? Well, we had the cackling hyena, the vice president, uh, Kamala Harris, and we had the delusional secretary of state, uh, Tony Blinken, who over the weekend was saying that there is no collusion uh, yeah. between Iran and Hamas. And now we have multiple sources uh, that are <laughs> reporting there there was collusion between Iran. And he tried to say there, you can't tie the $6 billion and what happened. And what did the, uh, the, the leader over in Iran say? The $6 billion, we're going to take and do whatever we want. We don't care what you say you intended to be. So we're showing weakness in every single way. And furthermore, okay, so weak president, uh, non-existent vice president, no one is a speaker of the house. The top three leadership position in the United States of America are basically vacant. That's what people see. Who cares about what Joe Biden is saying, you know, from a teleprompter speech? It's shameful. It really is shameful. Now, as we've alluded to with the squad and Rashida Tlaib, uh, Representative Cory Bush someone that you have <laughs> talked about, uh, posted a response to the attack that seems to encapsulate the response of much of the left uh, by speaking out against a military response by Israel and calling for, quote, ending U.S. government support for Israeli military mm -hmm. occupation and apartheid, end quote. How much will the anti-Israel wing of the Democrat Party affect how Joe Biden responds to Hamas, do you think? Well, this is a very dangerous and precarious political situation for him because if they continue to coddle these uh, anti-Semites in their party, uh, they're going to see a bleeding of support come next November. Uh, they may not go out and vote for Republicans, but now Robert F. Kennedy Jr. has given them an opportunity yeah. uh, and, and uh, to, to go out and vote for someone else. But I want you to think about this. Uh, you know, First of all, you know, Cory Bush, when, what Israeli military occupation are you talking about? You know, I remember, uh, I think it was during the uh, the reign of Shimon Peres, uh, when they withdrew all of the military out of Gaza. They turned it over to, to these nomadic Arabs out there that are masquerading, calling themselves Palestinians. And what did Israel get in response? Rocket attacks, Hamas coming in and taking over the area. So I don't see them occupying anything. And again, she is feeding into this, you know, silly language of the the left and Islamic terrorists. So this is why we need a speaker, Marie, because we need a speaker. The first business should be when, when they bring the House back together is to strip Cori Bush and Rashida Tlaib of all of their committee positions. Maybe you bring up ethics charges against them for aiding and supporting terrorist activities uh, as a member of the United States House of Representatives. And maybe you can have a vote to censure them. Maybe you can have a vote to expel them from the United States House of Representatives. The fact that we have a member 
of the People's House, our House of Representatives, that is flying the flag of a terrorist organization outside of her office, which the American taxpayers pay for, that is unnerving, that is repulsive, and something needs to be done about that. Rashida Tlaib, Cory Bush, Ilhan Omar should not be members of the United States House of Representatives. Tell the constituents there in their communities, pick somebody else. Now, Benjamin Netanyahu telegraphed his intentions in response to Hamas by saying, quote, we will cripple them mercilessly and avenge this black day they have brought upon Israel and its citizens, end quote. But given the support Hamas is receiving from Iran and Russia, the possibility of Hezbollah joining Hamas in their attacks on Israel uh, and it seems as of this recording, that is a greater possibility. Um, the anti-Israel uh, lobby in the U.S. and Europe continues to provide Palestine with aid. How mm -hmm. much danger is Israel in? They're in grave danger. And, and I think that yesterday you should have had, you know, President Biden definitively declare there will be no support to the, the Palestinian Authority, there will be no support going to, to any of these people that are supporting Hamas, Hezbollah, Islamic Jihad at all. Uh, and if I were the president, I would have said very clearly, I have asked for Prime Minister Netanyahu and his uh, defense secretary to provide to the United States of America key targets that we can start looking at targeting with our uh, maritime assets that we're moving into the uh, into the neighborhood and to that region because uh, we stand with Israel and that's what it means. And uh, we also want to make sure that we're sending a clear message. You don't get to kill Americans. You don't get to take Americans hostage. And there is no response that will come from this country. Uh, that's the stance that we have to take. You know, none of this, you know, there's one word that I want to give, don't. OK, show us what don't means, first and foremost. And then you come back and you say, uh, my, my policy stance is don't. Don't get engaged. Don't get involved. And that's why I say you have to go back and you have to put a cordon out there. This, this goes back to, you know, old school siege warfare almost, because nobody wants to get involved in a military operation in urban terrain. That That is probably one of the most deadly, dangerous things that you want to get involved in, because now you got to deal with snipers, you got to deal with booby traps, you have to deal with uh, ambushes and roadside bombs, all of these things, the, the tunnel system that they have down there, all these things that they have, you know, constructed and put in place. So I, I tell you, you just surround it and you start to reduce it uh, segment by segment, piece by piece. But again, I would say you give women and children the opportunity to uh, exfiltrate out of uh, Gaza in a designated corridor, not not any single military age males and maybe not any single military age females should be allowed to leave. And if you are there after we have shut down this uh, this uh, corridor of, uh, of exfiltration, uh, then you, you're showing that you support Hamas and you get their their uh, their fate. You will you will earn their fate. The United States has given over $75 billion and counting in aid to Ukraine and has verbally committed to standing shoulder to shoulder with Israelis. We see North Korea threatening Japan, an American ally, and China supposedly looking to invade Thailand. 
uh, and uh, another who is another American ally. Does it seem as though the China-Russia-Iran alliance is deliberately seeking to overtax the United States at a time when we are already approaching thirty-four tr- uh, tr- $34 trillion national debt? Yeah, you're absolutely right. And so the 30, $34 trillion national debt, the net interest on that debt is uh, almost greater than our defense <laughs> budget. But the thing that you have to look at is what is happening with our military capability capacity. It's being decimated. Uh, we're not meeting retu- recruiting and retention goals. As a matter of fact, last week, uh, the report came out that the Army is looking at cutting some 3,000 members of our special operations forces, the Green Beret. So why would you want to cut 3,000 members of your uh, elite unconventional warfare uh, fighters uh, in this critical time? We know that uh, Joe Biden, his administration, thinks that the greatest threat to the United States of America and the world right now is climate change. So I guess we have to be more so focused on fighting the weather than uh, (laughs) China, Russia, uh, North Korea, Iran and Islamic terrorism. And they get that. And so we are not able to fight the uh, two major regional contingencies that we're supposed to be trained on fighting. And oh, by the way, uh, you have seen me speak about this and write about this. Who did we just uh, install, nominate, and confirm as next chairman of Joint Chiefs of Staff? Well, a, a cultural Marxist, uh, uh, Al Sharpton in uniform with stars on his shoulders. And so what is going to be his focus? His focus is diversity in hiring and more equity. So we're just completely upside down. And, and I hate to say it, we're, we're kind of screwing ourselves. And, and so we got a wide open border where we're allowing all these people to come in, uh, terrorist cells without a doubt being established and set up. Uh, So what are we to do? So right now, America is in a very, very dangerous and precarious situation. uh, And the American people have got to stand up and understand elections do have consequences. And look at the consequences that uh, of this uh, 2020 election, what we see happening and playing out before our eyes. Yes. And, and, you know, I've been thinking about the historic Abraham Accords. I mean, you're Mm. three years older than I am. I can't remember in my life as many times as we've talked about peace treaties and all of these things, we finally saw something. And now look where we are. And why did that happen? And why did we have, you know, Saudi Arabia and Israel coming to the table with some of these other uh, Gulf uh, countries because of strength. America finally shows strength uh, to that region. Uh, Again, we're moving the embassy from Tel Aviv to to Jerusalem. Oh, we're going to come get you. We're moving the embassy to Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. Uh, maybe this guy is serious. And maybe we just need to shut up and sit down at, at the table and sign this peace accord. But now that that's out the window. Yes. That's out the window. And the other thing that people need to be concerned about is I've seen some reports saying that the Hamas terrorists are using equipment that we left in Afghanistan. That I mean, we knew when that happened that this was a possibility. It's mm-hmm. absolutely, as you say, just unconscionable and reprehensible. Mm-hmm. I mean, unimaginable. Yeah. Now, to some, Hamas, the Hamas attack on Israel revealed our own vulnerable, vulnerability, as you've alluded to, uh, to such an attack because of our porous southern border. Mm-hmm. And you and I, this is something that you and I have talked about 
the decade that that we've known each other, uh, mm -hmm. that you've been on this show, we've said, you know, yeah, fentanyl, yeah, uh, human trafficking, and yeah, all those things are terrible, awful, bad things in and of themselves. However, it is also a gateway for bad actors from the Middle East to mm -hmm. be able to come in because, you know, one brown face, you know, with a beard kind of looks like a maw in some people's view. And so coming in, here we are. Yeah, we have had many reports about prayer rugs being found along our border. Uh, I've always been tracking this category called OTMs, other than Mexicans. Uh, we now clearly know what that has uh, come to mean. But, you know, once again, you you think about how we start out. And, and I said that somehow Israel lost operational control of that borderline between them and, and Gaza. We've completely lost operational control of our border here in the United States of America. And we already have a terrorist organization that is operating freely along our border mm -hmm. and controlling that border. And that's the transnational narco-criminal terrorists that we call the cartels. And they are willing to enrich themselves and they will help anybody get across that border that pays them. And so all of a sudden you are, are enabling Iran to, well, guess what they're going to do? And, and all of a sudden you have, uh, you have reinstated terrorists in Afghanistan and, and their control, and they've released all of these people out of prisons. Uh, they're going to get in the pipeline and they're going to try to get here to the United States of America as well. So, yeah, we there are many parallels between what just happened and what we just saw and witnessed in uh, in Israel with Gaza and the lack of operational control of our own border here in the United States of America, which, again, we're purposely and intentionally doing by the policy of this administration. You know, I would encourage anyone listening to go to Colonel West's uh, YouTube channel where he talks about operational control in one of his chalk talks. I think there's a playlist there that has the the chalk talks. And you gave a, a, a brilliant illustration of what can be done at the border that's not being done at the border. Uh, and operational control zones were, were part of it. And it, it really is something that I, I don't understand why we're not doing that. But, you know. Yeah, I mean, and, and, that, and that's not, consequences. Yeah, yeah, and that means the election here in Texas because yes. we have a governor that yes. is not doing anything to protect uh, the 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 people here in Texas as well. And speaking of immigration, uh, what are your thoughts about the recent Biden administration reversal on border wall construction? Well, it's pretty easy to have this reversal when you have sold all of the materials <laughs> off for pennies on the dollar. Uh, and this this was something that had already been appropriated and paid for by the American uh, taxpayer. So, again, here's a failure of leadership in the state of Texas. You go down there and say Texas is going to do it and Texas is going to you know, get this, these materials. And we're going to put up this facility that enables us to be able to protect ourselves, because, again, this is not. You know, Texas has 1,249 miles that it shares with Mexico. We're not talking about a contiguous wall all the way across, but we're talking about putting it in the places where now you can channel people into certain areas that you can better control. And we don't even have that. We do not have a redundant system of border security. And as I talked about in that chalk talk, breaking down border security zones, borders, border sectors uh, from El Paso all the way over to, to Brownsville and uh, to the Gulf and looking at what you need to tailor in those certain areas. You know, Brewster County in West Texas is completely different. 
from Eagle Pass and Del Rio or in Kenny County, where I've been. So you have to have a, a border security plan that is tailored to those different border control zones. And then you've got to make sure that no one gets outside of that border control zone. You turn them around and you send them right back and you process the people and you get them into some type of database so that you know if they try to return again. That's absolutely right. Now, you touched upon the uh, retention and recruitment goals. Uh, the border, uh, the Army has announced that it has fallen short of its recruiting goal by 10,000 people this year. And I believe that's the second year in a row that mm -hmm. we have failed to meet those retention goals uh, and is now exploring ways to reverse this trend, like getting rid of some of the woke policies like DEI, yeah. as, which we'll touch on in, in a moment. Um, what are some of the options that you suggest to get those numbers back up where they need to be? Get the military back to what it's supposed to do. It's supposed to recruit. It's supposed to retain. It's supposed to train, uh, de equip, deploy, fight and win and take care of uh, military families. Uh, it is not about uh, cultural Marxism. It is not about gender dysphoria. It is not about climate change. Uh, it is not about abandoning them to the stupidity uh, like what we saw in Afghanistan. So you're going to continue to see, you know, this this not being able to meet these recruiting levels as long as you have a lack of focus senior leadership, as long as the policies at the top continue to be the antithesis of what our military needs to be. And when you talk about not meeting your recruitment goals by 10,000, 11,000, that really is the equivalent of a United States Army uh, light infantry division. So basically, we're short a light infantry division. So at some point in time, with the few divisions that we have left, I mean, do we start to cut back? When I came into the Army in 1982-83, the Army has some 18 fielded combat divisions. 18. Now, yes, we were in the area of the, uh, the Cold War, but even when the Soviet Union collapsed, we should have looked, you know, 20 years, 30 years out and say, OK, how can we reshape, repurpose, reform this military uh, to make sure that we can still meet all of the contingencies that are out there? And I'm talking about the Marines, the Air Force and everyone. How do we make sure that maybe we don't have a forward deployed military? Uh, a Cold War era mentality military, but we have a power projection military that can, uh, you know, quickly and rapidly deploy and be in any type of contingency area across the, uh, the globe. Uh, we have not done that. What we do is we say we're giving the military X amount of dollars. Y'all figure out what you can get done. That's, that's not how you develop a, a military capability and defend your interests. Uh, you sit and you look at what is the threat out there and you build your capability and capacity based upon the threat and you fund that. So we have got to have a complete revolution of the ideology and mentality and leadership of our military right now, civilian and also uniform leadership. That's absolutely right. You often talk about strategic vision and it's obvious that 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 has not happened because of uh, in for a time such as this. Mm -hmm. Now, you recently co-signed a letter uh, along with other conservative luminaries, such as Ken Blackwell, Jim DeMint, Star Parker, Brent Bozell, and Lieutenant General William G. Boykin, uh, written in opposition to the confirmation, as you alluded to, of General Charles Q. Brown Jr. as the next chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. Can you please expand upon your concerns for our audience? 
Charles Q. Brown was selected to be the chairman of Joint Chiefs of Staff because of his skin color, not because of his capabilities, not because of his leadership abilities. Uh, here was a person that was the chief of staff of the United States Air Force. Uh, number one, he comes out and says that we only need 46% white pilots in, in the Air Force. I, I, why, why are we restricting people ba piloting based upon skin color? Uh, the United States Air Force Academy under his tenure, you cannot refer to mothers and fathers as mom and dad. You have to refer to them by a certain per preferred pronoun. The uh, B-2 bomber uh, system was grounded. The uh, F-35 fighter system fell below 60% maintenance readiness rate. Th these are four very critical things under his, uh, his purview. And then, of course, you can go out there and look and see uh, the video that he put out after the George Floyd uh, incident. And first and foremost, why is the chief of staff of the Air Force, Air Force General, talking about George Floyd? He should be talking about, what did I say? Recruiting, retaining, mm -hmm. training, equipping, deploying, fighting, winning, and taking care of Air Force families. It, it has nothing to do with George Floyd. But yet he got involved in it and he started talking about how diversity is a guiding principle for him as he looks at uh, hiring and, and uh, promotions and advancements in the military. We don't need a person like that. Uh, I don't think that the, uh, the the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of the uh, Chinese military is focused on that or the Russian military or the head of the Iranian Revolutionary Guard Corps is focused on diversity or gender uh, equality or gender dysphoria. But yet that's what our folks are, are focused on. So. Uh, it's a very sad day in the United States of America right now. And, and what I see happening is that the enemies of the United States of America and the enemies of the free world, they just push the go button, Marie, because they know the window is closing whereby they can take some type of action. Uh, I would not be surprised if China moves on Taiwan. Uh, I would not be surprised that other things continue to happen because if America corrects itself and gets a strong person back in leadership, uh, after this 2024 election, they want to be to the position where they're so far ahead, there's nothing you can do to affect them. You're right about this uh, cultural Marxism infecting our leadership because, you know, we just had a new senator uh, sworn in from the state mm. of California, you know, and, and again, she's checking all the boxes, you know, yes. oh, black, lesbian, all of these things, you know, um, but likes the murder it, babies. It, exactly. She's the, the head fundraiser for Emma's, uh, Emily's List. But here's the interesting thing about that. In all of the tweets that I saw praising this bold selection, um, you know, they talked about, oh, the first black da-da-da-da-da-da-da and the first openly lesbian da-da-da-da-da-da. And you know what? Nothing about her uh, qualifications other than murdering babies, like you said, um, and the woman isn't even a resident of California. How do you go and represent the interests of Californians when you don't even know the political landscape of California? But we're checking off these boxes. Yeah, mm -hmm. we're really hip. We're really good because, you know, black, lesbian, you know, all these things, but not qualified. Well, that's Kamala, the same. Black uh, woman, you know, but well, not qualified. Corrine Jean-Pierre. Uh, yes. The White House supposed to black, black lesbian, lesbian, not qualified, totally ignorant. But, you know, it's all about the diversity thing. It's all about, like you said, checking all the boxes. And of course, you and I, you know, Joe Biden says we ain't really black uh, no. because so. So we're not going to check any box whatsoever. <laughs> Uh, not his but, box either. Not his box. I, did, I didn't check his box. No. I checked the other box. 
No. So th this this again, this this cultural Marxism is destroying our country. And uh, I think more people are waking to it. Uh, and I think it's something that people need to talk about at all levels of election uh, next year. I don't care. City council, school board, county commission, sheriffs, races all the way up to the top. We need to be talking about this cultural Marxism, what it's doing to undermine our constitutional republic. Now, there are a lot of people watching and listening that do not live in Texas. And this is such a huge story. And I don't feel like it got all of the attention that it needed to. In a recent video, you said, quote, when I look at the Republican Party today, I think that the best way to describe some of these individuals is with a simple word, and that's traitor. And we'll get to the, the other piece where it pulls Texas in. But talk to us about this political party traitor, because I remember that you called Dade Phelan a traitor when you first became chair of the Republican Party of Texas and people lost their stuff. And now look, mm -hmm. every county in Texas is pretty much signing off on a letter of censure to ask him to resign. Yeah. As a matter of fact, the Republican Party of Texas passed a resolution yes. saying that he should resign. Yep. Uh, if not, the, uh, the the Texas State House should have a vote uh, to vacate the chair. The lieutenant governor, uh, Dan Patrick, here in the state of Texas, has called for Dave Phelan to resign. Look, again, leadership is about strategic vision. So when I was the chairman of the Republican Party of Texas, we fought hard to make sure we kept that uh, that House majority because the Democrats wanted it very badly because redistricting was coming up. Uh, and what's the first thing that this new Speaker of the House does? Uh, he starts giving out chairmanship positions to Democrats, the people that we wanted to make sure they had no leadership uh, here in the state of Texas, 13 uh, positions. Uh, he went and, uh, you know, kowtowed to them to, to get their votes. So he did not have to worry about getting a majority of Republican votes. Uh, and then, you know, we see him signing off on this, this failed abysmal attempt to uh, impeach the Republican attorney general. So that's what I mean by, by traitors. If you're saying that you're part of a certain political party, you're saying that these are certain principles that you're going to uphold uh, basically our constitution, and then you don't do it, you're a traitor. If you're saying that you're the governor and you're going to secure the border, but yet we continue to see millions of people coming into this country. No, by the way, there's this, uh, you know, illegal immigrant sanctuary called Colony Ridge, Northeast of Houston, Texas, that is sprawling and growing. And the developer of that uh, community has given you 1.4 million of campaign contributions. You're a traitor. Uh, and, and when you're a senator in the United States Senate uh, and you, know, you vote for the confirmation of a cultural Marxist to be the next chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, you're a traitor. And, and I just have to call people out for who they are and you know, let the chips fall where they are. And you know, it, it, it seems that when I said that Dave Phelan was a political traitor, now all of a sudden everyone here in the state of Texas wants mm -hmm. him to resign. So, yeah, isn't that oh, interesting? Oh, told you so. Told you <laughs> yeah, so. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, the same thing when it happened, uh, you know, in 20, what was it, 2010 or 20, somewhere in there, when you said that, you know, the, the Black Congressional Caucus, it was full of uh, communists. No, so, the Congressional Progressive Caucus. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean that that's the word progressives came from communists yep. in Europe who wanted to try to infiltrate and get into the United States of America. They couldn't say they were communists, so they said they were progressives. The progressives, first yeah. the first progressive presidential administration was Woodrow Wilson. Everyone knows that. Uh and so everyone gets upset, you know, the, the Republicans in the house, you can't really say that. Why can't I say that? Why can't yeah. I tell the truth? Why, and you why? were right both times. <laughs> that's the and, thing. Yeah. But but that's what we need. We, you know, I just don't understand why we have people so afraid on our side to to call these people out for who they are and believe that you have to fight with, under some what's the the rules of uh, uh, engagement the the real proper rules and and everything like that because uh, you corrected me on on oh what yeah the Marquis de Queensbury. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, why we got to use those type of rules? Look, yeah. uh, I, I'm going to fully understand and declare mm -hmm. who you are. That's part of the Sun Tzu uh, art of war uh, understanding that I have. And uh, I'm not going to be intimidated or, you know, believe that I should not speak the truth. Just the same as the piece that I wrote about what is Palestine. That's history. That's fact. You cannot disprove it. So why don't we have more people sitting up and saying that you know, you guys are just a terrorist organization. You have never had a nation. You're not a, a, a people. You're just Arabs that want to see the destruction of our greatest ally in the Middle East and a nation state that has over 5,700 years of existence. That's Israel. And where have we seen that before, where a, a country or a nation wanted to exterminate Israel? Well, that that was the whole reason why Roman Emperor Hadrian uh, introduced the word Palestina, because he wanted to eradicate and eliminate the history of the Jewish people. He did not want to call the region Judea anymore after the Simon Bar Kokhba revolt. Look at Adolf Hitler and what he wanted to do. And uh, of course, you had Yasser Arafat's uncle, the Grand Mufti of Jerusalem, uh, who was a, a Nazi. And you had troops from that region that went and fought uh, as Nazis, as SS members in the Balkans. So this history is there. It's just a different iteration of it. Now, you alluded to this, and we talked about this, uh, that we would touch on this, but you mentioned Colony Ridge for those who are not familiar with Texas politics, because this is a very concerning story. Uh, please explain the concerns regarding Colony Ridge. Who is there and what is happening there? And what impact is it having here in Texas? You're watching the establishment of a massive uh, illegal immigrant sanctuary and community that rivals uh, some cities here in the United States of America as far as its acreage and population size. Uh, it's become a hotbed of cartel activity, which means terrorist activity. Uh, if you go back and remember the illegal immigrant that shot and killed the family of five, uh, this illegal immigrant had been deported multiple times, uh, had a, a semi-automatic rifle, that's Colony Ridge. Uh, and so there's big concern about this. And you would think in the state of Texas, where everyone says that they don't want to have illegal immigration, why would we have a sanctuary community for illegal immigrants? And uh, I, I think we kind of articulated that very well in our piece on political traitors. That's absolutely right, that Colony Ridge has uh, sponsored, if you will, our governor's campaign. And mm -hmm. that should not be the case ever. 
No, and political contributions to yes. other state uh, yes. representatives and also U.S. representatives. So uh, I, I guess the money is more important than your principles. And again, that's why I, I call people traitors. I don't know anything else other than to call them that. And you're absolutely right. Another excellent segment with our guest, Lieutenant Colonel Alan B. West. How can our listeners find you online and continue to follow your work? Uh, you just brought out the Substack page, our Steadfast and Loyal Program podcast. You can get that on YouTube and Rumble and, of course, all the social media platforms, except for TikTok, because I'm not into supporting the Chinese Communist Party. As always, it's excellent to have you as our Thanks. guest. And uh, I look forward to uh, continuing to have you on the show. We'll see you next month. And prayerfully, uh, we won't be dealing with this particular situation, but I, I, I don't see it going away anytime soon until, as you yeah. said, we have strength in the White House. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, Marie. All right. Take care. God bless. God bless. And now it's that time of the hour where we bring in uh, DK. DK, come on in. Hey. Hello. Was that amazing? I mean, to have somebody with his political acumen, uh, you know, it, it grieves me. And, you know, I'm a big fan of Colonel West. And you know that I've worked on uh, a number of his campaigns. So, it, you know, I'm not unbiased as it comes to uh, his abilities. But can you imagine having that brilliant political mind in the situation room right now? That's what we need. I mean, to have a Secretary of Defense, Alan West, that would be amazing. That's like, if I can't have him as president, and, you know, I would love that. But if I couldn't have him as president, a Secretary of Defense, Alan West, who really knows what he's talking about, who's not just checking these boxes. And, you know, it's funny. I'll say this. It's funny that people talk about um, checking all these boxes. Well, guess what? He was up for secretary of uh, the Army. I don't think a lot of people know that. But, you know, he checked a lot of boxes, if you will. But the main one that he checked is that he has the, the acumen to do this job. That was his main qualification. And yet we didn't see that happen. You know why? His political ideology is at odds and he's not a yes man to anybody. What you see is what you get. Just as he said, he's not going to soft coat something or put kid gloves on just because you have a fragile ego. He's going to tell you exactly what it is. I don't think Washington's quite ready for that yet. You know, I, I'll agree with you. I mean, he would be an ex excellent choice for the highest levels of government. Um, I know Texas has a certain senator that I'm not particularly fond of. <laughs> I know who you're talking about. I don't want to I know who you're talking names, about. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I'm not going to mention who it is. I'm yeah, just going to say it's not with Ted you, Cruz. No. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's not Ted Cruz. Yeah, no. So, yeah, I mean, I would, I would fully support anything he he does, but I don't know if, don't know if Abbott could be term-limited out. I don't know if he can just have two terms as governor, but that's another position for uh, Alan West. I mean, I fully support him. I've always have, ever since um, we first started having him on the show a long time ago. So that'd be excellent. So, and he brought up some great information about what's going on in the Middle East right now. Um, a lot, 
a lot of this stuff is breaking so quickly. I'm just learning just before we tape this, that one of the great fears we've had since uh, Hamas invaded Israel on the 7th was that it was, you start seeing the the jihad, so to speak, against Israel spread to other parties. You know, we were worried that Hezbollah would get involved also. And now we're starting to see that, yep. uh, as I said, just before we started to tape today, they're coming in from northern Israel, apparently paragliding in the way Hamas did. And like like the colonel mentioned, you know, this is all funded by Iran or the Iran-Russia-China alliance. Rick, they're, they're, yeah. they're, they're definitely behind it. And it's, it's spreading. Um, and one of the things that bothered me most about this spreading is that it's not just you know, China, Russia, and, and Iran, it's the American and the European left who are giving aid and comfort to this movement to destroy Hamas. Um, it's very uneasy because this invasion reminds me a lot of when I lived in New York and I lived in New York during or on 9-11. And everyone remembers 9-11 at this time where New Yorkers especially, but Americans and the whole world joined together. You know, we were like this in a war against uh, Islamic extremism. But as someone who was there, that's not really true. You know, even on 9-11, even before we knew how many people died, I've heard many voices who blamed the attack on the United States. And they even heard voices that were cheering the attack you know, New Yorkers, Americans who were cheering the 9-11 attack, mm-hmm. uh, even as bodies were being uncovered, uh, you know. So the the reality is we were not united on that day. And now we have October 7th, which is mm. to a degree, even to someone like me who, you know, now live in New Jersey, reminds me a lot of 9-11. Yes. And, and, and the, and when you think that we should be united against this horrific attack, yes. the kind of brutality we, we've only seen in Africa, you know, with some Islamic group mm. like Boko Haram, uh, yes. with some, some sort of genocide against Christians, for, for example, that that level of brutality we, we've seen in many um, African nations. But we've, Rwanda, we've Darfur. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Sub, uh, subterranean uh um, African nations like Rwanda, you just mentioned, we've never seen it in a, in, a, in a Western nation like Israel, you know, where we see people, you know, d- women dragged down the street, uh, <sighs> half dressed or undressed. Um, there's even a story I just wanted to show you the headline. This is uh, recently on Fox. At least 40 babies, some beheaded, found by Israel's soldiers in Hamas attack village. Yeah, so that's what we're dealing with. We're dealing with people who will decapitate babies in the crib. So as bad as it is, what amazes me As a mother, I can't even, you know, I can't even... 
think about it, the 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 level of evil and i i have to to really be honest with you dk you know i was praying yesterday um and i know that it 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 hurts god's heart to see what is going on um because of these innocents you know it says that anybody who would be swift to shed innocent blood it's one of the things that god hates uh we hear about that in, in, in Proverbs. And so it is just tearing me up when I hear these. I have to be honest with you. I haven't read as much about this. I just kind of scroll it on social media because I can't handle these kind of details. My mother's heart can't deal with it. And I was just saying, you know, I as brutal as this has been, I know that those innocent children are resting, you know, in the arms of God because that's just horrific to think about on a massive scale. And anyone who would think that that is acceptable and anyone who would support a regime that is carrying something out like that, I don't care who you are, but to be able to like BLM to post a, a thing of a paraglider saying, you know, we support Hamas, go to it or that's it, that's all or whatever their little hashtag is. Um, is reprehensible to me. That is an innocent life. But I shouldn't be surprised because they don't respect it in the womb. Why should they respect it outside of the womb? Yeah, as, as I was saying before, I, you know, this is a level of brutality we've only seen in those uh, genocidal attacks we see in sub-Saharan uh, African nations. Um, we don't see in Western nations uh, babies being decapitated in in the crib and and what bothers me most is like like same as 9-11 even in, when this brutality occurs we see people rise up to defend it we saw example you, you talked about this with uh the, the colonel one of our great representatives uh from cory bush and yep. she said this um well i'll just uh, highlight it she talked about the, the violence between Palestine. We'll get to that in a second. And Israel. And she makes this equivalent, you know, 250 Israeli, 230 Israeli lives lost today. She's equating the, the terrorists who were, who were killed by people with trying innocence. to defend their families, yes. their homes, their own lives with the 250 people in Israel who were killed by the terrorists, you know, this is obviously from a few days ago, the, the murder rate is much higher now, but it's just, just the idea that she's making this equivalent uh, between the victim and the murderer. It, it bothers me. And she used the word Palestine and that bothers me. And of course her solution to the problem is to completely uh, emasculate Israel. Uh, she says, uh, a military response would only exasperate the suffering of Palestinians and Israelis alike. What kind of nation would suffer such an attack and not respond uh -huh. militarily? And to be and to be criticized for responding militarily by someone like Cory Bush is is uh, is outrageous. And it's what's even more outrageous is that she speaks with so many people on the left. And she adds, of course, she wants to end U.S. government support of Israel, Israeli military occupation and apartheid. 
So this is what I'm on about. Um, their response to this um, attack is to blame Israel, to call for further Absolutely. emasculation, uh, demilitarization of Israel, uh, to to pressure Israel not to respond militarily, which which makes no sense. And it's just part of the left culture. You know, the left has been against Israel since 1967, but we've yeah. never seen it to this degree. Um, I saw a poll on Fox, it was a Gallup poll that said 49 or 48% of Democrats um, are more sympathetic to Palestine than they are to Israel. That's shocking to me. That's shocking to me. You know, we saw, um, and I sent it to you, it was the uh, Queers for Palestine. Queers for Palestine. Do you know that a queer person in Palestine would be stoned or hung? It's shocking to me. It's It's like voting for your own or rooting for your own demise. Who does that? That's that's insane. Well, even more even more shocking than queers for Palestine is what we have essentially is a party that's uh, Jews for Palestine, because in America, I think maybe seventy five percent of American Jews are Democrats. So, so you have the overwhelming majority of American <laughs> Jews. Remember, you're not really Jewish if you're not <laughs> if you vote for if you don't vote for Biden, you're not a Jew or something like that. So you have an overwhelming majority of American Jews supporting these policies that are so anti-Israel that um, Israel is getting called uh, war criminals just for defending their land. Um, I want to bring up another substack. This is from my great friend, Alan West. I'll go to the beginning. What is Palestine? And the subtitle, I condemn the actions of Hamas, sending a warning to Hezbollah, and desire that our policies change toward the top sponsor of Islamic terrorism, Iran. And I encourage everyone to read this on his uh, his substack because he is it's so spot on about the history of uh, Palestine. Um, and I'll go back to that point. This whole Palestine thing is just a big ruse and a hoax. Then he adds, the entire purpose of Hamas and Hezbollah is the eradication of Israel. There is no and never has been a nation called Palestine or people called Palestinians. And and that's a great reminder because we're not getting that in the media today. We're, we're talking about all these um, uh, work. We're talking about Palestinians losing their homeland to this to Israel. How um, Israel is keeping the people in Gaza in some a giant outdoor prison. Uh, how we how Israel is controlling the utilities, you know, the water and electricity in Gaza. We're, we're calling Gaza this basic ghetto, uh, being oppressed by Israel, and they're not mentioning a that. Palestine has never existed. There's never been a nation called Palestine. And B, that the reason why Israel has been so harsh to the people living in Gaza is because 
whenever the people in Gaza have a, a choice, an opportunity to have their own independent nation, which they could have just by agreeing to live in peace with Israel, they turn it down. And it's like Colonel says, the purpose of the Gaza leadership is not to have a, a yeah. thriving, a prosperous Palestinian nation. The, the purpose of Hamas and Hezbollah is to destroy Israel. and They're, they're choosing ter terrorism over territory. So, mm. and, and, and you've seen the results of that. So that that's it, and now it's spreading. It's spreading to Hezbollah. We've seen uh, a, a potential global jihad this Friday. You know, a couple of days after we tape this. So, uh, who knows what that's that's going to entail? So it it's like I said. It reminds me a little of uh, 9 eleven. It's the it whole does. uneasiness. You don't know what's going to come next. How many people will, you see one attack? You don't know when the next attack is going to come. And just like on 9-11, when you have so many people uh, who should be united with us to protect lives, so many people who are our neighbors against us, just as they're against Israel, they're choosing the wrong side in this war. They're choosing the anti-Western side. They're, they're controlling the media with this message. And it's going to be very dangerous to all of us. And you know what's interesting about that, too, is, and as we talked about with Colonel West, uh, the whole issue of, and, and as I said, you know, you and I have talked about this almost from day one on uh, ACONS, is that that southern border, and now that I'm a Texan, I mean, it was one thing when I was a Californian, because we also share a border, but as a Texan, you know, I'm still here in a, a border state. Uh, I have always been concerned by the fact that there could be bad actors that uh, come in through our border, uh, you know, because the skin tone is similar, and you just come right in, no one asks any questions, you know, uh, and the, the drug trafficking and the sex trafficking, the human trafficking, the fentanyl, the cartels, all of that stuff is bad stuff. Don't get me wrong. As we talked about with Colonel West, you know, our border has got some serious, serious issues. And again, I encourage people to go to his YouTube because he has a number of videos from his visits to the border. And he shows you what's going on at the border. He shows you all kinds of stuff. I mean, it's just, it's, it's fascinating if you don't know. And uh, the mainstream media is not going to show you a lot of this, but the fact of the matter is our border and the open border policy that we have, we have how many millions this year so far that have come in 3 million, 4 million that have just come in, just walked right in that are impacting our schools that are impacting everything because we give them plane tickets, bus tickets, all these freebies, that we pay for, <laughs> that my property taxes have gone up to pay for. Uh, and it's amazing to me that, you know, all these folks just come right, walking right in. And as Alan West alluded to, you know, um, he said these OTM numbers that he, he tracks, he gets these reports from the border regularly. I think he gets them weekly. Uh, and, you know, there's these OTM numbers. There's also this number called Godaways where uh, they, they did not capture them. We don't know where these folks are. Uh, you know, uh, Governor Abbott, yes, has bussed them to, you know, uh, Martha's Vineyard or wherever. Um, but, you know, there's some folks that we don't know where they are. 
Uh, and so if we can't keep track of the folks that are here from Central America and from Mexico, what do you think about people from Qatar or Saudi Arabia or Yemen or some of these other places uh, that may not uh, care for the policies of the United States or the fact that Israel is our ally? Well, our last great president, President Donald Trump, said it best. You know, these nations who are sending their uh, migrants to us are not sending their best. Their best. And, but I'll just make one correction there. In some cases, they're all sending their best for their purposes. They're sending the people who can best inflict damage on America, you know. And we're seeing people, uh, young guys, military age. Yes. Uh, with huge backpacks from places like China and uh, um, from the Middle East and some of these communist, socialist uh, um, Southern Hemisphere nations, you know, like Venezuela, yeah. you know, they come, Venezuelan come in. One of the first things this group does is they, they plant the Venezuelan flag. And that's not somebody who wants to assimilate in the United States when they're planting the flag of their home country. No. So. Yeah, so in a sense, some of these nations are sending their best. They're sending their best uh, uh, people, young men that can inflict harm mm -hmm. to America, and 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 you have to wonder, you know, why make it so easy to to have a terrorist come into your country? I've never seen another nation do that. And, and now that the terrorist threat is so great now, it's yes. much greater than it was any time during the Trump years. Um, it's it's going to be a problem. You know, um, Trump got rid of ISIS. I don't, don't agree with everything Trump did, especially in terms of foreign policy, but he did a, a great deal in eliminating the Islamic threat. And now we're seeing Biden. Mm -hmm. He gives lip service. He goes on yes. TV talking about, uh, he stands so shoulder to shoulder with Israel and so forth. He's he's never done that. He's no, he's no. he's President Obama's vice president, and President Obama was one of the key figures. By Israel uh, faction in the Democrat Party, and and since Obama has such a great influence on the Biden administration, you see the same same people. You see the same attitude toward Israel. It's really embarrassing that President Netanyahu, who's the leader of one of our great allies, is not allowed to speak with our president in the White House. I think they spoke in person once at some hotel in New York, and even that was not widely televised. And when Netanyahu, Netanyahu during the Biden year, during the Obama years, he he was treated very rudely. I remember one story yes. where. Um, he was he was forced to sit alone in a room while Obama was having dinner upstairs. So he had to wait patiently till Obama finished his dinner, so he has a chance to speak with uh, our president. And that's not that's not how you treat the prime minister of, of Israel. I don't Shameful. think you treat any in that any prime minister or president in that way. It's the same attitude. Um, there was another story that the EU. Initially, after the attack, promised to stop funding the people in Gaza Strip, and 
already within seconds that got reversed. So I'll I'll just I'll just end it here by saying that um, this anti-Israeli feeling is global. We're going to see more of that Friday when the supposed global jihad occurs. It's going to be very bad in Israel. It's going to be very bad in the United States. It's going to be very bad in Europe. And, and I just just said that we don't no longer have a president who can uh, stand up to this uh, rising tide. Shameful. Well, that's it for another episode of African-American Conservatives, the soul of the conservative movement. Please go to acons.substack.com. There you will see the latest blog by DK uh, <laughs> talking about Jim Jordan as the uh, next speaker of the house. And you'll find all of our links to our social media platforms to this podcast. So please make sure that you follow and subscribe and like wherever you find us. You'll find a list of all our social media platforms right there at acons.substack.com. So this for this this week, it's Marie signing off from Studio C. And this is DK. And join us next time on African American Conservatives, the soul, the conservative movement. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of African American Conservatives, the soul of the conservative movement. You can find us online at acons.substack.com anchor.fm forward slash A-A-C-O-N-S. And also you can support our work at anchor.fm forward slash A-A-C-O-N-S forward slash support.